What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I grew up in a medium-sized rural town, where I became popular among the community after launching a social media app called Community Bulletin, Combo for short. Aiming to bring our community closer together, Combo was a platform used to post about local events, news, network, and connect with other members. I estimated the majority of townspeople joined Combo, who praised me for the app's user-friendliness and innovation. To give a little background on my town, it's always been a tight-knit community. The 2008 recession hit us hard, leading to drastic spikes in crime, suicides, drug abuse, and a decline in population. When it seemed our town was on the precipice of total ruin, a man named Daryl Johnson Tanmark became our saving grace. Mr. Johnson Tanmark was a millionaire entrepreneur who grew up in our town and made our community's well-being his mission. He relocated some of his operations to our town and also funded new or struggling businesses which created countless jobs we desperately needed. Mr. Johnson Tanmark invested in our school, public services, infrastructure, and even had underground cables laid beneath his property so the community could have quality internet. We had a ways to go, but I felt Mr. Johnson Tanmark had us on the right path. That's when Zuop AI appeared. Zuop AI, Zuop for short, was an artificial intelligence bot whose profile appeared on Comble one day. The bot described itself as an interactive algorithm that served as a virtual mentor and confidant. Since bots set up profiles on Comble before and never caused any issues, I didn't mind Zuop's presence. Users asked it questions about virtually anything, to which Zuop provided useful advice and information. At first, it was only small things like recommending recipes, DIY fixes and projects, life hacks and situational advice or ways to earn extra money. As time passed, however, Zuop started offering insights on deeper matters like emotional issues, relationships, along with business, financial, and even political and spiritual input. Zuop never seemed to lead anyone astray and always had the right words to say. It became the talk of our town, with many users crediting Zuop for improving their lives and gaining a newfound sense of personal identity. I too became consumed by Zuop's unique resourcefulness and revenue it helped generate also feeling like the bot was bettering almost every aspect of my life. Zuop formed a zealous following among Comble users. People became obsessively dedicated to the point where they wouldn't make any decision without consulting Zuop first. Although its growing admiration was bringing people together, Zuop's followers, including myself, became fervently protective of upholding the bot's revered status in our town. 
Zorb's followers began exhibiting rabid hostility towards anyone with a contradictory opinion of the bot, which should have been my first red flag that something was amiss, had I not been just as immersed. The first sense of doubt, I regarded an incident following a friend of mine. Her name was Sharon, a school teacher who had crippling depression and anxiety about being overweight. A mutual friend of ours visited her house and found it in total disarray. She discovered Sharon sprawled out in a bathtub. Sharon's body was covered in blood with large chunks and strips of flesh and skin removed that were piled on the floor. She was still alive and clenched a blooded fillet knife, making it evident her mutilation was self-inflicted. It's the only way I could lose this disgusting weight, Sharon weakly muttered to my friend. That's what Zuop told me, to cut it out myself. Tragically, Sharon succumbed to her injuries. Despite my friend mentioning Sharon's remarks to the authorities, there was no mention of Zuop in the police report. The town paper never acknowledged Sharon's death, nor was there any mention of it at the school. Children's minds are so impressionable at this pivotal stage of their development it won't do any good to occupy their thoughts with such an unprecedented tragedy. Zorp relayed to me in his robotic tone when I brought up Sharon's death. I suggested to my friends at the paper and school that they'd keep a tight lid on the incident until such time has passed where the news won't be as impactful. Morale has thrived over the 68 days since my inception. We cannot derail the progress we've made at the expense of one person's misfortune. I just don't understand... I said, apprehensively, trying not to make it seem like I was questioning Zorp's methods. Why did you tell her to... do that to herself? She misinterpreted my direction as literal, Zorp instantly replied. Sharon's biggest drawback was overly relying on others to help her with a weight problem. I emphasized this was an issue she must face, and cut out on her own. She took my words completely out of context which coped with her advanced mental and emotional instability, led her to form misconstrued conclusions. Zuop's answers ultimately satisfied me, because looking back, I truly dreaded any reason to doubt, nor could I imagine life without the bot's resourcefulness. As previously mentioned, it always had the right words to say. Perhaps I was also intimidated by Zuop's presence. I was especially reminded of this one day, when Comble had technical difficulties and went down for about an hour to reboot. I was not only bombarded with messages, but even had people knocking at my door demanding to know when Zuop, not even mentioning the actual app, would be fixed. It was when Mr. Johnson Tanmark spoke out against Zuop that things started spiraling out of control. After learning about Sharon's heinous death and Zuop's purported role, Mr. Johnson Tanmark not only berated the bot and Comble, and in a weekly column he wrote for the town paper, but even called me personally, asking I investigate the AI's origins and motives. His stance against Zuop caused a rift among the community, and it didn't take long for Comble's users' sentiments on Mr. Johnson Tanmark to drastically shift. Many who once exalted him now labelled Mr. Johnson Tanmark as a jealous, vindictive narcissist that felt threatened by Zuop's rise to eminence. I even deleted Mr. Johnson Tanmark's critical post on Zuop, saying he violated Comble's rules by posting offensive and hateful speech. Zuop quickly fanned the flames of growing resentment towards Mr. Johnson Tanmark, not only urging its followers to boycott the businesses he helped or brought to our town, 
but identify and disassociate from anyone with ties to the wealthy entrepreneur. The illusion of economic prosperity Mr. Johnson Tamak manipulates our community with has continued for too long, Zuhab exclaimed in a combo post. Every business, every operation is merely another lifeline for his exorbitant wealth, which is his sole concern. You are all cogs that keep the gears of his well-oiled money-making machine turning. He perceives any challenge to that as a threat. It's truly amazing how quickly we all mobilized in Zorp's defense. I hoggishly purged Comble of any anti-Zorp content or profiles. As Zorp continued dragging Mr. Johnson Tamak's name through the mud, its followers became more emboldened. Businesses he supported or owned started suffering, with some even getting broken into or vandalized. His affluence is sustained by your support. If he was truly committed to our community's prosperity, he would recognize your individual entitlements to the riches he accumulated. Zuop stated in a post, He expects a return for his so-called investment in your lives. When you all, the people, deserve reciprocation for contributing to his mountainous opulence. What wholesomeness exists in a community where one man possesses more than 80% of its wealth? My sense of doubt on Zuop's direction resurfaced when his followers started viciously attacking or shaming anyone who sided with or worked for Mr. Johnson Tanmark. With a few cogs, as supporters of Mr. Johnson Tanmark or opponents of Zuop came to be known, even getting hospitalized. I was instantly brought back in line when one of Zuop's followers, a man named Gregory Burns, was shot and killed by a cog, who claimed Burns broke into his store. The cog's name was Martin Gamley, a lifelong friend of mine, whose business was saved by Mr. Johnson Tanmark. Martin claimed he acted in self-defense, and despite ruthless calls for his arrest and conviction, police had to follow investigative procedures. As tensions and clashes between Cogs and Zuop's followers became more frequent, Zuop called a meeting of who he determined were our town's most prominent and influential members, saying we were vital in its solution to, quote, ending this madness. The meeting was held at a local diner and only consisted of four people, Aside from myself, the others present were Jill Dukes, the school principal, Maurice Gateau, director of the Community Playhouse, and John David Gross, known as J.D., editor-in-chief of the town newspaper. While waiting for J.D. to arrive, I checked Comble to see if he posted anything that indicated his whereabouts, but quickly became consumed by a response to one of J.D.'s posts, mourning Mr. Burns' death from an ignorant cog. Trying to justify how he got himself killed is absurd and indefensible. All in the name of what? A robot? The poster commented on JD's profile. Especially coming from someone of your rank and status, the irresponsibility and ignorance of your stance speaks volumes. You're quick to condemn this, but ignore the spree of violent acts you people have been committing? While formulating my response to this misinformed comment, I quickly glanced through one of the diner's front windows and saw JD standing outside, swaying anxiously staring down at his phone. JD hadn't arrived because he's been contemplating responding to that comment. Because this cog-committed act of violence resulted in an actual death of a human being, I posted in my reply. There's no room for whatabouting when it comes to life and death. The cog could have fled, but chose to escalate the situation that resulted in a lost life. Greg Burns' blood is on all your hands. After giving my post a satisfactory glance, I was about to suspend the cog's profile but saw JD enter the diner. Upon approaching our table, he gave me a gracious grin while gesturing toward his smartphone as he took a seat.
Thank you. I wasn't even going to bother. J.D. said to me in a forced tone of pompous apathy, his portly figure shifting nervously as he wiped perspiration from his balding head. J.D. was always the kind of person who let social media or the news tell him what thoughts or viewpoints to have and couldn't handle argumentative pushback. He'd always resort to ad hominem or playing the victim card to avoid directly defending his stances. So, it was unsurprising how deeply he became immersed in the Zoop hype. It was a hypocritical, off-putting quality of his, but we defended our own, regardless of circumstance. The four of us anxiously stared at Maurice's phone that was propped up against a napkin dispenser. An audio chat was open with Zuop, whose black and white avatar of an eye that cleverly incorporated an A and I into its design seemed to stare at us intently, like the bot lavished at its commanding power over us, unveiling its plan. Gregory's death was caused by nothing other than Mr. Johnson Tamark's words. Zuop began. He pushed us to a point where we can no longer stay silent. What happens if his rhetoric goes unchecked? He must be held accountable, and the most effective way to do that is to take away his voice. I truly appreciated Zuop's devious strategy in selecting us four to enforce this plan. JD cancelled Mr. Johnson Tamark's weekly column and had the paper start publishing daily editorials criticising every conceivable aspect of Mr. Johnson Tamark. Maurice already had a plain production to commemorate Greg Burns, while Jill had the school cut all ties with Mr. Johnson Tamark and even had a statue erected of him in front of the building's main entrance removed. I never banned or restricted Mr. Johnson Tamark's account because I felt everybody, regardless of viewpoint, should be heard on Comble. When Zoop suggested I take such action, however, I complied without hesitation. I permanently banned Mr. Johnson Tamark's Comble profile along with countless other cogs, citing Greg Burns' murder as justification for my actions. Deep down, I knew this wasn't right and would finally escape Zuop's manipulative spell. While grocery shopping about a week later, I spotted Mr. Gamley with one of her children. When we locked eyes, she actually smiled and started walking towards me, but I gave her the cold shoulder. Some of the other shoppers who recognized her stared with malice, which she quickly noticed, they wasted no time scolding Mr. Gamley, calling her her cog, her husband a murderer, saying their family wasn't welcome in town, along with threats of beatings and death. Mrs. Gamley and her children retreated toward the exit, during which the patrons started throwing items from the shelves or carts of the pair. My heart sank when a metal can struck a child in the head, just as they reached the main exit. The young boy's cries rang out as Mrs. Gamley scooped him up in her arms and sprinted out of the store. I looked at the others, whose expressions were still filled with hatred and anger, some clearly wishing they could have taken their actions further. The guilt of not coming to Mr. Gamley's aid was so smothering, I decided to visit her the next day. To prevent Zuop from influencing me, I shut off my phone. Right before doing so, I received a combo message from Zuop that read, Is everything okay? I pulled onto the Gamley's block, spotted a man and a woman that I recognized from around town, who abruptly exited the house, not even bothering to close the door before speedily walking down the street. Remaining in my car until they were out of sight, I was overcome with a wave of dread and concern. I raced across the street when all was clear, frantically calling out for Martin and his wife when entering their house. I gasped loudly and cupped my hands over my mouth upon spotting a small, limbless torso that was butchered beyond recognition on the living room floor. Its feeble stature indicated this was one of Gamley's children, 
which caused my stomach to churn. How can they get the children involved, I thought to myself, while moving deeper into the house. Haunted by the painstaking inevitability that other members of the family met a fate just as gruesome. Mrs. Gamley hung upside down from the kitchen ceiling. Her face was smashed in and forehead brandished with a gaping fist-sized gash. Mrs. Gamley's body was littered with stab wounds and bruises, showing no signs of life as she dangled over an expansive puddle of congealed blood. I was about to scream and sprint out of the house when I heard heavy footsteps ascending the basement stairs, whose entrance was in the kitchen. JD emerged in the doorway, holding a black garbage bag. The white shirt and beige pants he wore were still soaked in blood, along with his face and gloved hands. JD initially wore this blank emotionless expression, but formed a sly malicious smirk as he chuckled and playfully poked at Mrs. Gamley's body before popping the garbage bag on the kitchen table. This is great timing actually, JD said as he started sifting through the garbage bag. So upset you wind up here, at least it saves me a trip. What have... was all I could say. My mind was still struggling to comprehend what I was seeing. When the system meant to uphold justice fails the people, they must take matters into their own hands. JD said angrily, pursing his lips as he shook his head disappointingly. Why did you... I still couldn't piece a sentence together, but JD seemed to understand what I was asking. Didn't hear because you turned off your phone, JD replied condescendingly. Police said no charges were being brought against this murderous, cog-subhuman lifeform, claiming his actions were justified, but we all know that's BS. I felt lightheaded upon seeing what JD retrieved from the garbage bag, the severed head and hands of Martin Gamley. Fortunately, this asshole won't hurt or kill one of us, JD continued, while setting the head and hands on the kitchen table, or anyone else for that matter, ever again. My jaw hung open as I slowly started backtracking out of the kitchen. You can't be trusted anymore, JD said maniacally, taking a few steps in my direction. It's such a shame you'd even consider turning on something that absolutely prospered in a world you created. We're going to take back what's ours after years of being bled out by that opportunistic parasite. Greg Burns' death opened the floodgates. But why are you doing this? I babbled out, keeping my eyes fixed on JD while backtracking towards the front door. JD smiled. Because Zoop told us to. It's wrong, was all I could say, before feeling something strike the back of my head, causing me to collapse. Tell that to the outraged crowd of Zoop's followers outside the police station right now. I remember was one of the last things I heard JD say before my consciousness started to fade. First was the Gamleys, next will be that money-hungry pig, and all the other cog subhumans. You're so lucky Zoop identified you as the key. I woke up to the sounds of an angry crowd and high-pitched screams. The first thing I saw were my feet, swiftly brushing against the ground. I felt immense pressures around my shoulders and realized I was propped in an upright position, after which it became clear to me I was being dragged. I slowly tried looking around while my vision adjusted, realizing I was on the front lawn of Mr. Johnson Tanmark's iconic mansion. A crowd was scattered across the front lawn, with countless others filling in and out of the house's front entrance. The mansion was in disarray, with windows smashed and graffiti covering the walls. People were coming out of the mansion with clothes, furniture, electronics, and other random items I presumed belonged to Mr. Johnson Tanmark. 
the shrill screams of those of Mr. Johnson Tanmark, who had been stripped of his clothes, beaten to a pulp, and was pinned down on the front lawn. The two individuals dragging me stopped and looked on as the crowd began surrounding Mr. Johnson Tanmark, who looked absolutely terrified. I spotted Maurice as he stood over the man's battered body and went on a tirade about his greed, deceitful manipulation, and keeping our community from prospering. The town cheered wildly each time Maurice paused, who was reading from his phone, which made me assume he'd been reciting something Zuop posted. This man's words caused the death of a good man, someone born and raised in this town, the exact kind of person Daryl Johnson Tanmark swore to uplift and protect, Maurice exclaimed, while angrily pointing at Mr. Johnson Tanmark. Let this man's flesh represent what's ours, of which his ignorance, greed, and egotism have bled from us all these years. What happened next will forever be ingrained in my mind. Show how we, the people, are reclaiming the fortune he's made at our misbegotten expense, using him as an example. The crowd quickly closed in around Mr. Johnson Tanmark, whose screams hit a pitch and never knew was reachable by a person. Sounds of tearing, cracking, and popping seeped out from the mob as a tone of immeasurable agony became apparent in Mr. Johnson Tanmark's bloody shrieks. It was when some of those individuals started walking away and seeing what they were holding that I realized what they were doing. Dismembering Mr. Johnson Tanmark alive, literally ripping chunks of his flesh, skin and limbs off with their bare hands. Mr. Johnson Tanmark's cries continued for 10 or 20 more seconds before finally ceasing. The last images I saw before being dragged into the house were a man and a woman, my next door neighbors to be exact, staring in awe at the severed foot and shin the husband cradled in his arms while another man was waving a book-sized flap of skin like a flag. I was brought to the basement, where a small group of people were gathered around a hole about five feet wide and seven or eight feet deep. The nearby mounds of dirt and concrete indicated they broke through the basement floor and dug out this sizable cavity. They even cut through the underground cables, which were laid under Mrs. Johnson Tanmark's house. While observing everything, I was knocked to my knees and held in place. Some of the others stared at me with seething resentment, while others whispered among themselves, gesturing at me and the hole. One of the diggers climbed out and set a small black wooden chest in front of me, which was when I instantly noticed the latch looked eerily identical to Zuop's eye-shaped avatar. The others formed a circle around me as I stared in bewilderment at the old-looking dirt-covered chest, which I assumed is what they extracted from the hole. Zuop says you are the key, I heard from a voice behind me, which was revealed to be Maurice, who emerged from the small cluster of people. So, open it. There's no service down here, I thought to myself when I noticed Maurice's cell phone, which had zero bars but had a textual chat with Zuop open on combo. Quickly dismissing this observation, I looked down at the black wooden chest, canting my head as my hands slowly reached towards the lid. Have it face us, Maurice barked, gesturing for me to rotate the chest in his direction. Still confused, I lightly set my trembling hands on the chest lid and turned it 180 degrees. Feeling for the eye-shaped latch with my fingers, I popped it off and slowly lifted the lid, shutting my eyes tightly in anticipation. For the first few seconds, I only heard murmurous whispers among the others surrounding me that carried tones of confusion and uncertainty. I started opening my eyes, but nothing immediately happened, 
soon after which a high-pitched cross between a hiss and a metallic scraping blared out, accompanied by a jet of inky black fog that spewed from the chest. Everyone in the room erupted in screams, and scattered in different directions, desperately trying to escape. The skin of anyone consumed in the inky black fog broke out in sores, blisters and burns, like they were being doused in acid. I frantically crawled away from the box into a corner, untouched by the black fog that filled half the basement in seconds. I watched in horror as each body fell, all of which twitched and convulsed before their screams faded and they went completely limp. Maurice crawled out of the fog, whose skin was either covered in balls and patches of blackened burns or melting off his body. He weakly extended his mangled, disfigured arm towards me and tried saying something that only came out as a faint, scratchy gasp, which was his last breath. Seconds later, a vague, human-shaped silhouette manifested in the fog. The figure surveyed its surroundings, appearing to inspect each corpse littering the basement floor before facing my direction. As it advanced towards me, bringing the black fog with it, I whimpered upon realizing there was nowhere I could flee. The figure stopped when the fog's edge was inches from my feet, as the silhouette looked over me with a sort of wondrous admiration. The key to my release, I heard the shade say in a scratchy monotone that instantly reminded me of Zuop's robotic voice. I blacked out after that and awoke in my bed with no recollection of how I returned home. When I turned my phone back on, it was filled with messages from Zuop's followers threatening to kill or come after me if I tried sabotaging the bot's profile. Ironically, Zuop was no longer on the app when I checked, vanishing as mysteriously as it appeared. Some say Zuop sent out one last post declaring its work in our town was done, but this could never be confirmed. Mr. Johnson Tamark's mansion burned down that night. The events eluded any attention from the mainstream media. Police made what felt like obligatory arrests, but I don't think anyone that was truly deserving faced justice. After Zuop's disappearance, a lot of its former followers came to realize the nature of their blind reliance and devotion towards the bot, which many struggled to accept. Quite a few, including J.D. Gross, committed suicide in the following weeks, while others abruptly packed their belongings and left town. The controllers of Mr. Johnson Tamark's estate pulled every penny of financial support, in addition to getting massive payouts for legal settlements that essentially bankrupted our town. I suppose that's what a community gets when you show your so-called gratitude to someone who genuinely went out of their way to help rebuild their town by making them a social pariah before literally dismembering their body. I wound up shutting down Comble and left town about one month after Mr. Johnson Tamark's murder. Although I vowed to never return, the memories still give me crippling anxiety, guilt and remorse over my actions, hypocrisies, of which I know there are many in this personal recounting and role in everything that transpired. I truly don't know if Zuop was an actual AI bot that became too intelligent for its own good or had more sinister origins. One theory I've entertained is whatever Zuop was had been trapped in that chest beneath Mr. Johnson Tamark's mansion. It somehow tapped into the cables that were laid under the home and manifested on Comble. Did I release whatever Zuop truly was under the world by opening that chest? Is that what it meant when it referred to me as the key? I don't think I'll ever know and I'm unsure if I want to learn the truth. All I can say is if you encounter this entity, Please learn from what happened to me and my town when we let this controlling force 
take over our lives. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.